Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And the Caps are still alive! When you delve into it, I don't want to be a Debbie Diner right off the start, it's looking a tall order, but as the famous Jimmy Greaves used to say on Saturday afternoons on St and Greavesy, football's a funny old game, Saint. There's a reference for people from the early 90s that lived in the UK. We're relevant, that's what this, this show is all about. How has your week been? Zach, I know you've been very busy. You went down to Middle Cascadia. I did. Did you get confused as to where the game was taking place? No, my son and I went down for uh, an event. Had a great time. Yeah, it was sweet. How was the border? Because I'm going down end of this week. So first time down to the US since all this malarkey started. I live uh, closer to a border crossing now than I ever have. And it's not a busy one. So... It's uh, always very easy to get across. Yeah, I, I like to go Turn via to. Alder Grove because it's it's not the busiest and they're super friendly there. I do try and avoid Abbotsford after they kept me waiting for an hour and a half there once because the person that was dealing with me went home and forgot to pass my details on. Oh, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, no, the Abbotsford one, I, I don't know if I've ever been through before. I can't remember if I'd ever been through it before I lived here and the couple times I've been through it, it's been really great. I used to prefer Aldergrove if I could, but mm. truck crossing was always easy because Aldergrove isn't 24-7 also. I went over the Abbotsford one after watching Whitecaps under-23s Abbotsford Mariners in a PDL game back in the day. Happy days. Was that the day we lit off the orange smoke? Like we were Don't test? know if it was that day or not, but I liked those games. Playing in a field that really was not up to USL standards. Well, or Bateman. any standards. <laughs> it was Bateman Park, right? No, it might be. It was the day I'm thinking of. It was Bateman Park. And yeah, we did. We were testing a type of smoke that day, but it was. It was it was orange. <laughs> Don't know if that was the day that we went on at halftime and had a kickabout as well. Oh, it might have been. Yeah. Mm. Ah, miss those days. Fun times. Yep. But 
the fun times are back in Whitecaps land because a big six-point homestand saw them screw over two of their playoff rivals in the space of four days. That said, it still is looking a little bit too little, too late, because the games are running out fast. They've only got two games left. Even if they win them, 46 points may not be enough. But we'll get into all that over the, the course of the show. We'll yeah. have a little bit of chat about CPL as well. But As, mu- as much as they spoil things for their first guest, the week, that guest is now looking down upon them. Yes. In a, play- in a playoff spot. Yeah, the, the Galaxy bounced back very quickly from that that horror show that they had on Wednesday night. I mean, how surprised were you by these two wins? I mean, Galaxy, Sounders, yet yeah, coming to BC Place, and if BC Place had been the fortress you wanted it to be, you would really have fancied them to get the wins. But the way they'd been playing, having lost three of their last five games heading into that Galaxy game at BC Place and not in the best run of form just in general, it it seemed to come from nowhere. And you do have to ask the question, where has this team been for the past month? Yeah, there's been some really poor performances, really bad um, drop points along the way. Um, I, yeah, I did not see those those results coming as... Uh, you may remember remember from our, our preview our preview show. Uh, well, that but, didn't age well. <laughs> no. uh, but uh, I still do think. Well, I don't know if both the Galaxy and the Sounders will make the playoffs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they both do, but I think definitely one of them is going to make the playoffs. Oh, um, I I would be very surprised if they were both to make it now because it looks like it's a battle for that seventh and final spot. Now, a lot can still happen and teams can kind of cave in and we'll get into the fact that San Jose seem to be the kingmakers in all of this as well. They've got an interesting role to play, but we'll talk about the two games. I won't talk tons about the LA game because I I covered a lot of that in our extra podcast that, that came out. If you're not an extra subscriber... Get on that. $3 a month, $30 for the year, and you, you get some extra podcasts. You support the site. You help pay your hosting costs, all that kind of stuff. But we'll talk about the games, but I'll, I'll kind of do this in a bit of a weird order as well because most folk listening to this, if not everyone listening to this, is going to know how those games played out and who the star performers were. So I want to get into a little bit of that. Basically, to answer that question I just posed as to where has this team been for, for the past month? Because a lot of the success for these two victories has come by the fact that not only did Vanni Sartini decide to go with a back four <laughs> yeah. or three and a half, depending on, on how you wanted to look at it, but he actually played some players in their proper positions. Jake Nerwinski, a right back, a right-sided defender... Played on the right side of the pitch. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, crazy. Oh, who who would have thought? I still don't fully rate him even even there at this level, but yeah, he he put in some really good performances. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, I'm being a little bit facetious, but it's it's one of the many frustrating things that I think these two games has thrown up. One of them is where where was this team for the the past four or five weeks? 
we keep talking all season that there's a good team in there just waiting to get out. And the more that you think about it and the more that you see performances like this where it did come out, you have to start questioning the tactics. You have to start questioning the formations. These two games went in a 4-2-2-2. It was kind of like a back four when they defended and it was like a three, three and a half when they were attacking. And I want to chat about a couple of the guys that just were so solid in these two games. Tristan Blackman, in as a centre-back, a two centre-back pairing, helping to bring the best out of Ranko as well, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah. And we, again, I don't want to just keep repeating what we said ad nauseum for the last two years. He plays better when he's got an experienced centre-back beside him. And when it's a back four, he certainly looks a decent centre-back. But Tristan Blackman, I thought, was was excellent in these two games and really marshaled that defence. Yeah, he's had only I mean he's had a couple dips throughout the year, but in general he's been arguably the solid, solid most solid of the cent- of the central defenders, right? Yeah, and I mean the, the way he started the the year, he was on as one of the players of the year for me. He was definitely our best defender of the year. So yeah, so it was it's good to see him kind of put in performances that you, that you know he's capable of. The other thing as well is if you've not got Cody Cropper in goal and you've got Thomas Asal back there. We've talked mm. about the experience that Cropper brings and he's good at marshalling the defence and he's a good communicator. And These are things that Thomas will get better and better at the more that he plays and the more experience he gets. But when you've got Hassal in goal, I like having Blackman there in front of him because he can take on that role that Cropper had. Yeah, And he s- certainly seemed to do that. But the other star performer for me in defence and excellent performances, Luis Martins, mm. both defensively and going forward. And it does kind of touch on what we touched on on the, on the last show. You've got an actual left-sided defender on yeah. the left side going up that left wing in yeah, a wing-back role. He was vital in both, uh, in both matches this week, yeah. And it is... It's like you've been saying, and I think a lot of people online have been saying, right? There's there, there's joy or happiness of these results, but there's also this frustration of like, why couldn't the team be playing like this more, more this season, mm-hmm. more you know, what a more seeming form uh, in a seeming a formation that's seemingly more um, has you know players playing where they're comfortable with and where they've played most of their careers and. And yet, still going out and uh, performing well. The the thing with that left side, I mean, we won't harp on again about Christian Gutierrez, but when it when it comes to the end of the season, that's certainly when we have our our regular lengthy sit down chat with the, the coach. We'll be asking Vanny exactly what ha- has happened with Christian Gutierrez because something's happened, and it seems to be. I don't think it's on on pitch performance wise. It, I, something must have happened that strained the relationship, or either Christian was not buying into the system, or maybe he just couldn't play the the system that that Vanny w- was wanting. But I mean, it, it's hurt him, whatever it is, because it's completely taken him out of the World Cup reckoning. You would have 
imagine. Yeah. I mean, you have to think it, his, maybe his head got big from being included in that and, you know, being a part of that. That would seem like the most simple, you know, explanation for it. But because I. Did, did he demand more playing time than Vanny was wanting to give him? All those kind of questions. And yeah. I mean, whether Vanny will address that openly, I don't know. But I mean, he's always very open and talking about those things. It's obviously more difficult because you don't want to throw a player necessarily under the bus. I mean, I'm speculating here. I mean, it, it it could be something else. But I mean, it's hard when he's been playing for WFC too. It's not that he's not fit to play, but having Martins in there, that's another question you have to ask Vanny. If he can have brought that to the team, which is why you made the trade to bring him in. Why has he not been playing? Because it's not really... It doesn't feel like it's a case that he hasn't been fit. So why was he not playing? Were you just so set in that three centre-back, using that in inverted commas with Jake Nowinski being a (laughs) centre-back, but it's like, was he so set in that that he just didn't want to look at the option of Martins? Did he not fancy him as a wing-back? I don't know. Well, you know, he'll he'll always say something like, "Oh, you know, performances and training, blah blah blah." But yeah, I, okay, maybe Martins might not have been this consistent, you know, the whole, you know, back half of the season. But you, it would have. I think people would have at least felt better of having like uh, round pegs and round holes as yeah. opposed to. I mean, if, if you feel you've put your best team out on the pitch for the majority of the games. And you've put the best players in the best positions and you've set them up to succeed and you fall short. You can kind of take that. But when you've when you're now looking at it and it, it looks like it's gonna be heartbreakingly, agonizingly just falling short, then yeah, there's so many serious questions to to ask about this and the future of the team yeah. and I, and I think a, a number of those things lie at Vanny's feet, but also a number of those things lie at the player's feet as well. Oh, yes. I mean, that is certainly something we want to talk about. I, I forgot to mention this on last week's show, so I'll mention it now because we, we speculated what might be the the future of Vanny. If he closes out with four wins, there's no way that Vanny's not coming back as head coach next year. I mean, that's no. that's pretty certain. What I think would really benefit him as a young and experienced coach, is to get a little bit more experience on his coaching staff. Somebody on the bench that's been a head coach before. Because with all respect to who he's got and the magic in the bottle that they brought up last year, it's a very inexperienced assistant coaches that he's got in there. Yeah, that's fair. And there's got to be some experienced coaches around that would just grab that opportunity as well. Like a, like a Mark DeSantos type? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, obviously in, not in, Mark DeSantos. Yeah, but in all seriousness, like, someone like him. Tom, Tommy Soane's been doing well in USL. Maybe get bring him back to the club. Michael, what are you talking about? <laughs> Did you see he won Coach of the Month for August in USL? Michael... No, I did not see that. Yeah, he's and flying I'm, with Burnley. And my life was better for it. Ah, I, I've brought back bad memories for you. Oh, my. But yeah, a Tommy Stone style figure. What has happened? I, I Just to full disclosure, I was tidying out the cupboard under my, my stairs and I banged my head. So uh-huh. 
anything I say tonight, don't hold me, hold me to that. Also, apologies to the dead Harry Potter that I found under there as well. I forgot all about him. <laughs> I knew you were going to say something about bodies kept under there. But yeah, some experience. That's something else I'm sure we'll talk about in our official end of season shows. Let's just round this part off with a quick chat about the early game because I haven't had your thoughts on it. I obviously waxed lyrical about it in that 30-minute extra podcast that we brought out during the week. It was such a weird game because that first half was as poor and as boring (laughs) as we've seen at BC Place this season from a Whitecats perspective. And I feel there's a lot of repeats in in this episode of all the stuff we've been saying all year. The Whitecats were lucky to get in at halftime level. LA Galaxy didn't take their chances. They didn't exactly set the header light either. And for the last 15 minutes of that first half, neither team seemed to remember how to play football. Yeah, the thing that stands out for me from that game is the, the little P had some really big misses. Mm. He's having an interesting time with it. Was it a good run, putting the goals in, missing penalties there? Yeah, yeah. He in that game he had at least two big misses, right? The header, and then the one where he was almost like on the penalty spot and he skied it. Is there another one? Was there another one? Mm, I think that was it. I mean, there there was those chances. There was a couple of long range efforts that the the Galaxy had as well. I mean, Hassel wasn't like overly tested. Mm -hmm. But the Galaxy were knocking the ball around well. They were dominating possession. I think at one point it was like 75 to 25% possession-wise. And it just felt like a matter of time until they scored. But then after that first half hour, they seemed just devoid of ideas. It's like, oh, we don't really know what to do now. The Whitecaps didn't know what to do. And genuinely, that last 15 minutes, I was bored out of my head. But that second half, an explosion of attacking football as the Whitecaps just took the game to the Galaxy. It it was one of the best halves of the season, matched, I think, by the first half uh, against Seattle as well. But, I mean, that was was an incredible turnaround. Yeah, I mean, it did... Even though it was such a big turnaround, it did not feel like a 3-0 game. No. Uh, I think the first goal was a little bit uh, not fortunate, but you know, uh, a scramble, you know, second phase off a corner, or whatever. Gold does well to finish. Um, the the third the third goal or sorry the second goal felt really great. Like, or I think it was a really good goal, even though again there's a little miss from White in it. But yeah, he he got given the assist for that. I'm still not he? even sure he touched it. Oh, I don't think he touched it. That's horrible. Maybe they changed that. But again, good service from Martin on the left side. And then you have Vite, who's been kind of invisible a lot of the year. Just pop mm-hmm. up at the back post and finish with his his, his uh, weaker foot, uh, his right foot. Um, and just like finish so well, you know, like like the way he finished that, it was just kind of like, I could do this all day, you know? Um, yeah. I, he started to, to come on to his game. Yes. Very a little much. late. Yeah. Although then, Vanny, Vanny did keep saying, oh, he's just needing time to adjust and he wasn't up to the intensity levels and 
I don't know whether he just wasn't understanding what Vanny wanted the team to be or whatever, well, but he, it seems to have clicked now. He was, uh, I mean, he was out of sort. Like, he wasn't fast enough. I don't think, yeah, he was maybe on the same page with his teammates. So hopefully it's just all that's, you know, coming into, he's coming to form, his, you know, he's beginning to click more, all that kind of stuff. Well, third- in- interestingly, but before we get to the third goal, just going back to VT, mm-hmm. and obviously we're jumping ahead because he, he scored against the Sounders as well. But he was asked afterwards uh, at the Sounders game about what sparked this form. And he said, well, to be honest, it's because I want to go to the World Cup and be part of the, the oh. Ecuador team. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Okay, yeah. And it's like, you've just, that's just motivated you now. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a weird. Maybe he was up. Is there issues with Ecuador going to the World Cup? Yes. Um, <laughs> or, sorry, there is. I haven't done all the reading I would like to. Yeah, uh, I've been following it. It's fascinating. One of their players has, I'm going to say allegedly, because I don't know if, it, I can't remember if it's been officially proven or not, but it's like a uh, false birth certificate. He was born in Colombia, um, all that kind of stuff. So Simon, Simon Fudge told me I need to follow it more closely, and I haven't yeah. had time to yet. There was a, a decision pending at the end of last week, and it actually fell in Ecuador's favour. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But what that has meant now is Chile are going to take it to the sport of arbitration. Oh, court of arbitration for sport. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's still lingering on, but right now Ecuador are still in the World Cup. Mm. And if, if Vite can bang another couple of goals in, you never know. But the fact that he's, he hasn't been called up or anything of late yeah. would make you think it's a bit of a late push to try and make it into the team, but eh, you never know, stranger things have happened. But yeah, let's get to that third goal against the Galaxy because that was a thing of beauty. Third goal, you talk about you know standout players, obviously one of them, uh, you know, in addition to Mar- uh, Luis Martins, has to be on the other side with Julian Gressel yep. with not a hopeful ball, not a, not a just a long ball, but a, a really, really great pass uh, for that tough St. Ricketts. Made a nice run to get on the end, uh, end of, and I thought for a moment he might, uh, or he was maybe overthinking the uh, the finish, but no, he calmly and coolly, collectively slotted it home and made it a super convincing 3-0 victory. That that ball from Gressel, I, I don't think... I know we talked that we were maybe going to do it, like uh, an assist of the year or or whatever in our end-of-season awards. That is right up there because that was a thing of beauty, that through ball. And I'm the opposite of you. Like When it got to toss, I was 100% sure that was going in the back of the net. Partly because of how Toss seems to play against the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Just start the guy against every Galaxy game. Just He just plays inspired against them. But it, just one-on-one, I just thought his, his confidence is so high just now. And like his goal per minute thing is like incredible right now. And yeah, he took it so well. Big 3-0 win. I didn't see it coming. I genuinely... I'm happy to eat humble pie any time we get these wrong when it keeps the white caps in it. But the Galaxy looks shell-shocked. They refused to open the, the locker room after the game. And they're like, no, mm. you, you have to have given us 48 hours notice and a negative COVID test before we'll let you in. And it's like, oh, okay. Didn't mention that. 
That's awkward. Yeah, no one. They they did Zoom for the for the LA media, but they wouldn't let anyone in. But they certainly bounced back, which we'll we'll t- come to when we look at the lie of the land. But that that was a great start to a great four days for the Whitecaps, and they built on that when their Cascadian rivals from just down the I five came to town on Saturday night. We'll be back to chat about that after this. Hey, I'm Julian Gressel, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month for the month of September here at AFTN from Russia with love. I can't not say that every time I say from Russia, I just got to finish with love. Ice Peak, Dead But Pretty. We played that on the show when it was first released, I think earlier this year can find it on their 2022 album, Kiss of Death. And I was saving it for this month because I thought, oh, well, the Whitecaps are playing pretty football, but their playoff hopes are dead. They're not yet, but I had to play the song. So (laughs) there we go. But yeah, if you're not going to make the postseason yourself, royally screwing over one of your biggest rivals, is the next best thing, right? Yeah. That's how Scottish people live. It's like, get joy out of other people's misery. Yeah, I noticed that from that picture you sent me from one of the Scottish <laughs> matches that the weekend, <laughs> which we won't talk about. But Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, let's not. Let's move quickly on. Yeah, that, that win on Saturday... I was going to say 3 now against the Sounders. Getting carried away. 2-1 against the Sounders. I did predict 2-1 in the, the extra podcast, admittedly to Seattle. But still, <laughs> uh, that 2-1 victory over Seattle not only was a feel-good moment for Vancouver, their first win over Seattle since April 2017. That was the 17th match since then. And I broke all this down in that extra podcast. Of the previous 16, Seattle had won 10. There'd been six draws. And the Whitecaps hadn't scored in 10 of those 16 games. Are you saying that not beating your 
biggest rivals in over five years is not a good thing, Michael. No, it kind of felt a little bit like East Fife and Cowden Beath. We went through a really tough spell against those smelly ones, but <laughs> who, who's got the last laugh? And it's us because they got relegated out of the football league. So. There you go. Do they smell like fish at all? They're dirty and they're smelly. They come from Neil O'Kelly. They haven't got a telly, the Cowden family. That song, voted football chant of the century by BBC Off The Ball Podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Our infamous comic strip that made the news and the front page of all the newspapers. If you can't depict children raking through the bins to <laughs> eat dead rats while shooting up on heroin, oh, I don't know what the world's coming to. Oh my God. But the 90s were different times, Zach. I don't think I could probably get away with that now. No, probably not. Should I try? No, let's, okay. no, right. let's, Let, let's get back to the Seattle game. You can check all that out on AFTN.co.uk. Um, yeah, so it was a feel-good moment for Vancouver. Made even sweeter. Because... To, to quote, I won't name who, but to quote a Seattle media member who messaged me after the game saying, that's basically killed our season. Mm. That brought an, an additional little smile to my face. <laughs> I, I described in my headline for the match report, which was maybe a, li a little bit hyperbole, but the first half I described as a performance of the ages. Yes. But it, it was a, pretty good. It's a, a bit generous, but yeah, no, I mean for the the Whitecaps, yeah, uh, they score, yeah, scoring two goals in the first half at home, in front, uh, not in front of the the home, uh, like the, the main supporter stand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, blowing Vanny's theory yeah. out yeah. of the the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, was it even just good. the goals? They took the game mm -hmm. to the Sounders for that whole forty five minutes, and I did say in the preview that. Our best chance in this game was we had to continue what we had done against the Galaxy. We had to play in the front foot and we really had to take the game to Seattle because far too often we have just sat, sat back in these games and let the Sounders come at us, being punished, and then we just have nothing to get back into the game. Mm -hmm. It was the first 90-minute performance of the season. Admittedly, it was 45 minutes against LA and 45 minutes against Seattle. But if you add them together, that is a 90-minute performance. That's a great point, Michael. But, yes, that that was a 5-0 game over 90 minutes. Yeah, I, yeah, I got that. Mm -hmm. Against two teams. It's like playing Trinidad and Tobago. And Tobago, yeah. yeah. That's a what time is it? We're getting them all out. Your bingo cards are going crazy here tonight. But let's let's look at those two goals because they were both things of beauty and they're both, for me, up there as goals of the season when we're, we're breaking that down in the, the end of season show. Let's look at the first one. The man we spoke about in part one, Pedro Viti, his second in two games, mm -hmm. or if we're keeping it going, his second in one 90-minute performance. Yeah. And it's again, time with his left foot. Yeah. Uh, Martins... Influential mm -hmm. in this again. Three he nice. had the throw in, right? Uh he played the the ball up the wing to to Ryan Gold. Oh, sorry, the throw in's the second goal. Yeah, that was the yeah, second one. Fair. So Martins played up the wing to Gold. 
who just ran in goal, had a little nutmeg along the way as well. Yes, yes, he did. A great cutback, and Viti, Johnny on the spot, right place, right time, and a nice finish as well. Yeah. It was a good team goal, and as I always talk about when we do our end-of-season reviews, when I'm looking uh, at goals of the season, you can look at Galazzo's or you can look at team goals, and I like a good team goal. Yeah, no, it was definitely a good team goal. And moments like, yeah, the uh, the Meg by Gold, um, I think also help with um, encouraging the significant number of, of people who came to that game to, re- to return for the last home game and, and return next year. Yep. That's a, a very good point, actually. There was a great crowd out for, for this one as well. And again, the Whitecaps have to be applauded just under 20,000, 1972, mm-hmm. I think it, it there, was. There were some youth soccer sides there, right? Yeah, they had yeah. youth soccer sides there. They had youth coaches there because they had a promotion for that. They had the drinks promotions again. There was a big turnout of Seattle fans for it, it as well. Yeah, so it, it's a 19 that felt like a 19, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was a good atmosphere. It was the, the promotions have helped. And yeah, it is sad uh, you still have to have promotions to pack the folk in but when the team's been playing at home the way they have that is understandable but it, it's one of those performances as was the LA one where you send the fans home happy and we have talked about this at the end of many seasons fans remember how they finish the season how they go home that's why so many of those last game of the season wins that they've had it keeps the fans buoyant over the off season Mm-hmm, totally. Now, the second goal was nominated for MLS Goal of the Week. And for me, the first goal was the better of the two goals. Okay, yeah, we got to talk about that second goal because... Uh, it was nice, but it was it, fortunate. It, yeah, it, it was... Well, it wasn't... Yeah, the the way it fell to him off the Martins corner was a bit fortunate. He struck the ball, I think, very well. Yes. But when, but when you watch it back, you're like... Stephen Fry could have or should have had that. Well, when your diet's donuts, yeah, that sometimes I mean you'd think his hands would be stickier to maybe catch the ball though, but yeah, yeah, but like Fry should have had that. You think about him, and you think about like moments like against, um, uh, the, you know, the Altador, the Altador header save in the Cup final in Toronto a number years ago. Like, you know, he and he got a hand to it. Just... Yeah. Like I'm not saying he should have caught it, but like a parry no, or no, a no, tip no. or yeah, something yeah. to. But it was one hell of a strike. I mean, yeah, Gressel was... did take that so well. Yeah, and Gressel made uh, the the team of the week uh, as well, which I I know you can't put a lot of stock in these nominations, but Ryan Gold didn't even make the bench of the team of the week, and I thought Gold pulled the strings in both these these victories. You, Taking my Scottish hat off. You should start an online petition. I, I don't want to raise attention to how well he's playing in case he, he does go. But he pulled the strings in both those games and didn't get a, a nod. And Gressel, I guess he's, he got that nod for the goal and for getting the assist uh, on Toss's goal against the, the Galaxy. But it, it was a great first half. Minus one thing which was Andres Kubis oh, yeah, off injured. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there hasn't been an update on that. Yeah. And he's meant to be going away with Paraguay, so I'm not sure if he has or not. But 
yeah, I mean, there's, there's two games left. It's not as if it's going to be the, the end of the, the world, but it's an adductor strain. And we have seen with other players that's got that, you're looking four to eight weeks seems to be about what some of these players have, have been missing, which we would rule him out for the end of the season and probably everything up to the MLS Cup final. So are you, are you making plans for that? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I booked my, my plane trip to Philly. Well, it should all come down and it should be in Montreal. We can hope that, that it's nothing too serious for Kubis, but at least it's come at the end of the season. But he was another player that's been phenomenal in these two games as well. And you're looking at this team, and again, harken back to it, it's a good team waiting to get out because we touched on it last year, we won't go through it again, but the, the core is looking good. It just needs a way, way better supporting cast and a way stronger depth as well. But, 2-0 up at halftime, I was feeling probably 90% confident, but I also realised that the Sounders could not play that crap in the second half because they were just not at it at all in that first half. They seem like the Galaxy, absolutely shell-shocked at how the, the Whitecaps had come out. I also wasn't fully confident that the White Cats would be able to, to to keep it up. But they nearly went 3-0 up with that Brian White effort mm. that, well, they won't they give it as a goal. Did it cross the line? Did the whole ball go over? And I, I can see why it wasn't given because one of the angles makes it look like it's not. So in that case, it's not clear and obvious. And it does, you've got to remember, it has to be the whole ball, including like the the tip or a shadow or whatever. So although it can look over, if you were to draw the lines on it, it's not necessarily going to be, that it's going to be over the goal line. Yeah, don't they have the technology for that though? The well, that was the other thing that I was going to mention because this, and I've spoken about this in the show in previous years, this baffles me and pisses me off, and it's not just because of this goal. The technology is there. At the Women's World Cup, we went to an info session on the whole goal line technology and the watch, and it was fascinating. We got to wear the watches yeah. as the ball went over the line. You felt it vibrating. It's instantaneous. The referee knows it's a goal. That technology exists it's existed since 2015. MLS's VAR. Why would you not have that as well? I just don't understand it. I hear you. Do, do you think it crossed the line? I, I, I don't. I think it's not clear enough to definitively say. No. Well, obviously it wasn't clear and obvious. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to get England's goal against Germany in the 1966 World Cup disallowed and history rewritten. No, Only I, they I, had... That, I mean, that obviously was not across the line. Uh, White's chance was not fully across the line. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, uh, yeah. I, I understand the anger and the confusion, and my anger is directed at the fact that technology exists and they just aren't using it. So hopefully that is something that will change. Maybe that is something that 
we can ask the Don when he does his end of season state of the the league address or whatever. That would have put the White Caps out of sight. But as long as it was 2 0, the most dangerous lead in football, <laughs> you knew that if the Sounders were managing to get one, it was going to be like chaos. And thankfully, they didn't get that one until the 89th minute. And it was a well taken goal by Will Bruin. Two of your favourite players. Oh, yeah, Freddie. He's been in good form for them of late, but yeah, Freddie to the head of Will Bruin, back of the net, good goal. I was very worried for the last five minutes or so. I thought the Sounders would just throw everything at the Whitecaps. And for the first two minutes of that that five, they kind of did. But then it was squeaky bum time. But the Whitecaps held firm and they've come out of it with a 2-0 win. Mm -hmm. And it's massive to an extent. (laughs) (laughs) Massively keeping Seattle out of the playoffs, potentially? Yeah. That, that, that's my main taking from it. If we look at the standings and the lie of the land, as I, I like to do. By the way, also the the the, uh, the people in uh, the people who work at the stadium thought that White's ball was across the line because they let off the smoke, I think. Yeah, right? they did. Yeah. They did. It went <sighs> premature ejaculation. Premature smoke. It's terrible when that happens. Right, let's look at the lie of the land. So... That win for the Whitecaps moved them up to ninth. Going into the LA Galaxy game, they'd fallen down to 12th after Kansas City's win. And it was like, at one stage going into that Galaxy game, they could have finished bottom or second bottom if they went on a really horrible four-game run and the teams below them started to, to pick some points up. Now, though, they're sitting in ninth. They're in 40 points. They're just three points off the playoffs but they have played a game more than the Galaxy Mm -hmm. now eliminated San Jose Houston Kansas City San Jose with 7 wins on the year 31 points and I I think this could be important 10 draws they are a team that draw they can take points off teams and frustrate them they obviously took the, the three points off the white caps and, and one of those results that could prove very, very costly mm-hmm. come the end of the season. But you've got Colorado on 11th on 39 with two games to go. Now, yeah, they could still make the, the playoffs, but I think we can rule them out. If we look at the, the top of the table, LAFC have clinched first place on 64 points. Austin... Second and 55, Dallas third and 50. They've both booked their their playoff berths. Nashville, fourth and 47. So the Whitecaps can't catch them. The most points the Whitecaps can get is 46. Portland, in fifth on 46. And that could have been very different as well. Did you get a chance to see the the Portland-Columbus game or even highlights Uh, of it from Sunday? I have it on the PBR, so I haven't, I haven't actually, because I got home like really early ah, this morning. Yes. Well. Um, so you want to spoil it for me? It's, it's gonna, I was gonna have to spoil it because we have to talk about it. Yeah, I'll put it on right now so I can see it. Columbus were one 0 up. Four minutes of stoppage time added on. They were in the fifth minute of stoppage time, but that was because there'd been some subs made by Columbus in stoppage time, when a long ranger from Portland in the ninety fifth minute. 
earns them what could be an absolutely massive point. It means that they're currently sitting on 5th, with 32 games played, 46 points. So the Whitecaps could catch them. And because the first tiebreaker is wins, if the Whitecaps were to win their last two games, they're going to have 13 wins. And if Portland were to lose their last two games, they'd only have 11 wins. Mm. So the Whitecaps would technically, in that case, go ahead of Portland. Minnesota are on 45 just now. They need two points to make sure the Whitecaps definitely can't catch them. And even if they get one point, then they're tied on wins. And then you're looking at like goals for, and Minnesota's got that. So I can't see the Whitecaps catching Minnesota. And it looks to me highly unlikely, I think, as well, that they will catch Portland. Because it's okay looking at what games they've got left to play, or sorry, just the numbers, if we delve into the games that they've got left to play. Portland have two games left to play. Now, they're at home to LAFC, and that is going to be a tough one for them. But their last game of the season is away to RSL. And if they are fighting, needing at least a point or something to get in, I can't see them not getting something from that. Mm-hmm. But that said, Real Salt Lake, who have been kind of just sitting in the playoff places for most of this season. And I think so many people expected them to to fall out. And they have now finally fallen out. So they are sitting just above the Whitecaps in eighth place on 43 points. They have two games left to go. Those two games are away to the Galaxy and at home to Portland. So, I mean, you could say realistically, they're not going to get anything from that. Maybe a point against Portland. Would you kind of concur? Maybe, yeah. So, two wins for the Whitecaps. They would overtake Salt Lake, so that's great. But Salt Lake's not in the playoff places just now. Galaxy are in seventh on 43, and they've got three games left. And you look at that, and the Galaxy, they're going to be out of sight for the Whitecaps to catch. Because they've got that game that I mentioned at home to to Real Salt Lake. Before that, though, they're away to San Jose. And then they round the season off away to Houston. So you've got to think the Galaxy is going to probably get three points from that. Even if you say a minimum of three. That would take them to 46. So the Whitecaps could catch them on points. But the wins would be the same and the goals for for the Galaxy are way more. So again, they're not catching that. So really, it it boils down to, for me, the Whitecaps' best hope of getting in is Minnesota have to lose their last two games. Mm -hmm. And of course, the last game of the season, the Whitecaps go to Minnesota. But sadly, from a Whitecaps' point of view... Minnesota's last game before that is away to San Jose. (laughs) Now, this is why I was saying San Jose can be the kingmakers here. If Minnesota only take a point from San Jose, that'll still be enough. The Whitecaps can't catch them because they'll be in 46. They'll have the same number of wins that the Whitecaps could get max and their goals for is better. So really, the Whitecaps' hopes 
rests on San Jose beating Minnesota. And then the Whitecaps winning their last two games of the season, one of them being in Minnesota. But what a last game of the season that would set up. If they have to go to Minnesota to win to get in, and Minnesota have to avoid getting beat to get in, yeah. that's going to be tremendous. Yeah, that would that would be kind of nice way to end the season. There is the little thing of Seattle, though, as well. Yep. Because they have three games left. And you look at those three games, and normally I would fancy them to beat Cincinnati at home, but Cincinnati's found a little bit of form. Then they're away to sport in Kansas City, who, yes, they're eliminated from playoff contention, but they've found a little bit of form as well. And then they're at home in the last game of the season to who else but San Jose. It's it's fascinating. If I was a betting man, which I am, I think the Whitecaps will just fall short by a point. But I also don't think Seattle will get in. I think the seven that you're looking at just now will be the seven they get in come the end of the season. Yeah, that, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I still think there could be some some craziness there, so... Whether it's Vancouver making it so that Seattle gets in because they beat Minnesota or something like that, I still could, I still could see something crazy happening. If they can get in, it would be absolutely fantastic, and I would almost say it it beats what they did last year. Obviously, last year was a bigger run, and they were bottom, and they went on that massive run. Well, I mean, it's bigger in the sense that it's also a year in which they actually won, won a significant trophy, right? Like, yes. Oh, playoffs and the Canadian Championship. Yeah. And then next year, lifting the the CONCACAF Champions League, booking your, our spot at the Club World Cup, playing your Bayern. I mean, you'll have mixed emotions when it's the Whitecaps and Bayern, won't you? You'll, no. you'll be buying a half-and-half half scarf. No. Probably have a half-and-half half jersey. Definitely not. As I mentioned, I did hit my head. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap this bit up. But yeah, I mean, it, it's still... It's still there for the Whitecaps. I like chaos. I would love it all to be up for grabs come that last game of the season. That would just be absolutely amazing. Great television. And a, a fitting way to to end the regular season on normal TV before everything's on Apple and no one can watch it next year. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. Let us know. Do you think... Chaos will ensue and the Whitecaps will get in. Do you think it will go down to the last game? Austin shouldn't be overlooked because they are a good team. But this week's break for the international breaks actually come at the worst time probably for the Whitecaps as well because they're flying. You just kind of want to get straight back at it. But let us know your thoughts. Can they do it? Crossing everything here. But anyway, that is it for our Whitecaps chat. We've got one more part of the show to go this week and we're going to turn our attention to the Canadian Premier League because that also looks like a batshit crazy end to the season. And we'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Ollie Bassett and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Forever, let's have less of getting 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, I've gone back to 1997, which is a, a good year for music. Height of Britpop, you had lots of great bands. I was going to about three, four gigs a week over in Scotland. That was a band that was formed by John Squires, guitarist from the Stone Roses. When the Stone Roses split up, he went on to form a band called The Seahorses. And that was their second single, released from their one and only album, Do It Yourself. That was Blinded by the Sun. It came up as a recommendation on YouTube, and I hadn't listened to it for many a year. And I was like, oh, that is such a, a quality tune. And when I was over in Scotland, normally I listened to Talk Sport, Talk Radio, Five Live, and I, I, I like listening to that when I'm driving about. But the car I was in had like the, all the digital channels. I was just flicking through and I stumbled across Absolute Music. And they've got different channels. They've got Absolute 70s, Absolute 80s, Absolute 90s. So I just stuck it onto Absolute 90s and it was just playing tune after tune after tune, absolute classics that was taking me back to all my gig-going days and that Britpop era, what a fantastic time for music. Mm. But we've talked about the Whitecaps, we've talked about MLS, we've looked at the lie of the land and that. Just to round off this episode, we're going to look at the Canadian Premier League because I, with you being away, you've probably not caught up with everything in that either this weekend, Zach. Or uh, you've probably seen, seen the results. I've seen some results. I haven't watched the highlights, but I've seen some results. I have not looked at the table, though, which I'm oh, up right now. Oh, excellent. Well, let, let's delve into the weekend's results. It, it started with a game I really don't want to talk about, apart from saying it was a horrible game of football on Friday. York and Halifax was a nil-nil draw. That, that reminds me of the what was that game? I watched a game on the September second. It was in Ottawa, and it was maybe Edmonton. Oh mm. man! That yeah, was this was worse. <laughs> was it? it okay? Oh, it was just. Don't even try and watch that one. One game on Saturday, and it was talking of Edmonton, Al Clasico, the last one of the mm-hmm. season, and Cavalry. I mean, I was going to say they dominated this one. They were the better team. Um, Edmonton certainly gave a good account of themselves, but Joe Mason, doing what Joe Mason does and scoring very important goals, the only goal of the game for Cavalry in the 57th minute to give them the the big 1-0 win and the three points and move them temporarily back to the the top of the table, which surprised me when I saw that because I thought, oh, they've not been having a, a good run of form. They lost to Forge. They'd had a 0-0 draw with Halifax, but getting those points on the board early in the season has really, really benefited them. And then that set up two big games on Sunday, and it started with Valor, who went into it in the fourth and final playoff spot at home to Atletico, and they took the lead in this one. I, I, I watched both these games, and I really felt for Valor they went ahead, Andrew Jean-Baptiste, mm-hmm. and then 10 minutes later, Oli Bassett pulled it back, one all draw. Was that was that the um, Olympico? Yeah, it was the Olympico. It was a fantastic one from the, the little ginger-haired fella. 
Um, who I, I like as a player. I liked him when he was with Pacific last Pacific, year, yeah. and he's had a really, really... I thought it was a strange move going to yeah. Ottawa, but he's been really good for me. He's really stood out for them. But that, that gave Ottawa a point and a vital point, and it moved them back to the top of the standings as well. And the, the pressure was then on Pacific because Valor had picked up a point a win for Pacific at home to Forge would have seen them go level on points with Forge and move into the top four as well because they're currently sitting in fifth. They do have a game in hand, but this was a this was a, a interesting and a nervy game as well because Forge took the lead. Four minutes in, Alessandro Hujapur, I think he's only scored two goals all <laughs> season for Forge and they've both been against Pacific. Yeah. And then it was given as an own goal, the, the equaliser for Pacific in the 17th minute. But I felt Pacific would kind of push on. But Forge had the better chances for the second half. And they were they were a little bit unfortunate not to come away with the three points, to be honest. But how that leaves everything shaping up is... Yes, oh, it is so exciting. Already eliminated, you've got Edmonton... You've got Halifax and York are technically still capable of finishing fourth. Yeah. But I think you can pretty much say that they are eliminated. So Pacific's in fifth outside the playoff places looking in. 37 points. I was I haven't paid a close attention as much this season as other ones. But when I saw that their goal difference was zero, I was like, what? Yeah. That does not sound like Pacific. 32-32. Mm. But of course, when you do get rid of your top scorer midway through the season, that is going to hit you a little bit. Yeah. And they lost Terran Campbell in the off-season. Yeah. But yeah, but, Pacific. But uh, Callum Irving was the goalkeeper of the week on the team of the week, I believe. Yeah. He had a couple of big saves. Um, Pacific's in fifth. 37 points, 24 games. So they've got four games left. Valor are fourth the same points, 37, they've got games. the better goals for, they've got the better goal difference, but they've played an extra game. Mm-hmm. But as I always say, I'd rather have points on the board than the game in hand. Mm-hmm. Forge are third on 40 points, and they've got four games left. And then Cavalry are second, 41 with three games to go, and Atletico, 42 with three games to go. So Pacific and Forge is the, the makeup game. So that, again, has massive implications. Massive. And if you look at the, the games uh, that still got to go, this coming weekend, Valor travel to York. So they're going to fancy getting something from that. Pacific's got the long trip out to Halifax, and Halifax are good at home. I don't know... They take much from that. And then the massive game of the weekend is Cavalry and Atletico on, on Saturday as well. Caitlin's birthday. Mm-hmm. You know how she'll be spending that. Enjoying watching those two games. Um, and then Sunday, Forge go to Edmonton and you'd expect Forge to win that. Pacific's games that they've got left. So it's Halifax away and I think they might struggle there. But then they're at home to Edmonton. So you fancy them to take the three points from that. Then they're away to Forge. And then they're away to Cavalry. That is not 
a good end to the season for them. I'm a bit worried for them, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously hoping that Pacific will pull through, but it's uh, it, it won't be. It's not going to be. It's not going to be easy. Which is nice for the league. It's exciting for the league uh, that the this is all sh you know shaking down the way it is. I know they had some good end to the seasons in the past, um, but this is more exciting. And it's made even more exciting by the. I don't. Did you hear the news? Was it today? I was going to say yes. Yeah, fantastic news that they are going to recognize the regular season champions. Mm hmm. Monetary wise, and we know that the regular season champions are going to get into the Champions League as well. Yeah, isn't there going to be a trophy though? Yeah, but really, at the grand scheme of things, when there's playoffs, it's going to just be like a supporter shield. Well, and that doesn't have a lot of onus in the grand scheme of things. Let's let's not devalue it already, Michael. No, no I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to. I mean, I like you know, that. You know what's it. more important, Michael. Yeah, I I would like whoever wins the regular season to automatically be in the final. And then the other teams mm -hmm. have playoffs for it. Then you could have I, five teams involved in the, the postseason. I like that. I mean, that, that to me is honouring your regular season champs. I'd love to get Tommy Fielding's thoughts on this. He's probably like, ah, too little, too late. Where was it when we were good? When are we having the new commission on the show? We've got to get him on here. we got to talk to him. Yes, we should, actually. Um, that can be in our off-season stuff. He's been very quiet, actually. He hasn't really done a lot of media. He was at El Clasico. Oh. He was hanging out with the supporters there. I, I'll put feelers out for that. We'll, we'll see what we can get done. But that, that would be a, a good chat as well, especially with the... The Vancouver team coming in next year. Any any updates that you can give us on that as to when there might be more announcements? Well, I, I uh, yeah, soon, but not soon enough. Hmm. <laughs> it's never soon enough, and it's later than it would have, would have been. But there's a lot going on in the league, I think. So, I think. Well, yes, because will Edmonton survive? Yeah, I don't have any information on that at this moment, but ho hopefully they will. But yeah, no, with the number of things going on in the league, I know that that has uh, probably impacted the the timeline that the Vancouver 2023 people would like to get some stuff out there, but um, all in good time. Hmm. But you know what we're like as football fans, so we're, we're impatient. Yeah, good thing to come to those who wait though, right? Yeah. So if I was to put a gun to your head just now, apart from probably getting another emergency alert through on, <laughs> on the phone, who do you see lifting the North Star Shield this year? Because I feel it's wide open. And just, just to quickly go back to something that you said as well, what is also good for the league is I like if a different team can at least get in the, the top four every year. So if Valor get in, I know if it's at the expense of Pacific, that's tough for us as BC fans, but for the good of the league, you you don't want the same four yeah. every single year. I, I think, yeah, obviously the heart, the, the heart says Pacific because you want the BC team to do it. But also, and this may be heart too, because there's so many BC people there or BC connected people there, but it would be nice for, you know, Tommy to finally yeah. get get that. I don't, I don't, I don't know of anyone who would be like, oh, I hope it's Forge, outside of Forge supporters. <laughs> But I well, also I say I'll say this I also don't want Ottawa to win not because of their players because obviously there's some that we have a strong. Well, that's why I thought you were going to say when you said oh because of all the the BC connections I thought he's going to no. say Ottawa. No, no, no. 
Definitely not them, just because they're Atletico connections. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the same in that regard. Yeah, uh, I. No, 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 just, if it's not Pacific, more, I'd like it to be Cavalry. I'd like it to be Tommy. And you know the multi, the multi, uh, multi club ownership thing. It's more for me. It's more. Do I like the clubs that are there? Right. <laughs> so I don't like Atletico Madrid. I mean, I don't really like any of the the big Spanish teams. So, um, of the of th- the big three. They're the ones that I find most palatable. Yeah, but I don't like them. <laughs> That's, fair, I, I, fair hear, I hear you. I hear you and agree with you, but I still don't like them. But okay then, so not who your your heart thinks might win it. What does your head say as to who might win it? Because this is well, it's hard. It's wide open. Hard. It's hard to bet against Forge, right? <laughs> yeah, they always seem to get it done. But it, as we said uh, in an earlier show, this is not the Forge of previous years, though. It's it, it is a different looking team but they've got the big time players yeah i think when it comes to the knockout stuff i think that their experience will really help them mm-hmm. home field uh, advantage could also yeah. play massively in, into this as well depending where it is and other commitments that i've got with uh commentating and stuff i might make it out to the final I've still not made it out to one of the the finals so far so we'll see but we'll, we'll keep a an interesting ear to the ground on a number of things there's a a couple of fun segments i've got planned around the the new vancouver cpl team which will will either bring out in a special extra podcast or we'll we'll do it in some of our end of season shows as well i'll I'll fill zach in a little bit after we Mm. finish this recording but it was an interesting weekend in CPL, interesting weekend in MLS, and it's all you can want at this time of year. You want it to be exciting to go down to the wire. Both those leagues are certainly doing that. That's pretty much it for this episode of the show, but of course we're going to finish with this episode's wavelength. And you were down in Seattle. We just played Seattle. So I'm going to bring you a song from a Seattle artist. I've been saving this one for when the Whitecaps actually beat the Sounders. <laughs> so this was released in 2016. Um, it's from a Seattle artist. I I really wish I was joking and just doing this for comic effect, but I've I've been saving this up for oh, quite I've, some time. I believe you. I know you, Michael. I believe you. It's just really funny. It's from his 2016 album called Fever, and it's a Seattle artist called Jason McHugh. And this is his song, Soccer.
Jason McHugh, Soccer, finally get to play the song. Was it worth it? I'll let you decide. It, it was a good one. I, I like that song. He's got a, he's got I think a couple of albums out since then, but let, let's hope it's not another five years and five months before I get to play a, a soccer-related song from a Seattle artist when the Whitecaps have have beat the Sounders. Let's hope it becomes a more regular occurrence. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Before we go, Zach, any final thoughts? Anything you learned this week? How excited are you to see Canada taking on Qatar and Japan? Yeah, it's an interesting squad selection. I mean, mm. you have Atiba out injured. You have... You have uh, players out of form. Yes, you have players out of form who have not been playing for their clubs, even if their clubs are good. Um, John Herdman made an interesting comment in the squad press conference that they had about the fact a lot of the squad aren't going to be playing because the teams aren't going to be in the MLS playoffs. So they're going to be going mm. five or six weeks without kicking a ball in anger. And yeah. That's not good for for the squad. You would have been very, very disappointed to see Toronto get eliminated there, yeah. Mm. Um, and Vancouver, I guess, to a lesser degree because of the lesser number of players. But um, I had my hand up for so long. John Herdman even said... Oh, there's a lot of folk with their hand up. I, I've got, I've got time. We can get through all these questions. I still didn't get picked. I was wanting to ask about Kava, and does he have any concerns about him just losing it in the big moments? And how is he more restrained when he plays for Canada than the Whitecaps? Has John Herdman found some way to calm him down? Maybe we'll get those questions answered one day. But anyway, Zach, any final thoughts? No, uh, yeah, looking forward to those Canada's games. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I just want to, like I, I messaged you and Steve about, it's a craziness in the Bundesliga this year. Bayern, three draws in a row, followed by their first loss of the season. And uh, oh, I haven't I haven't watched the rest of the weekend except for Friday's game. So I just I just know that they're not top of the table. I don't know if Union has held on yet because uh, I've been avoiding all the scores and, and standings. But um Exciting times in Bundesliga. For all those who hate Bayern's dominance, uh, this is a good time to maybe watch the Bundesliga and uh, see the see a bit of a different kind of race. Uh, but also, it's always good football in the Bundesliga, always good times. Check, check out the Bundesliga. I mean, I, I I love to see that, to to be honest. I know you're a Bayern fan, but I do like to see them get beat. And in all the leagues... When it's when if you've got one team dominating for so long, it just spoils it. It's like in England, Man City is boring, and Scotland, Celtic, Celtic Rangers when Rangers are up there, Celtic lost at the weekend. It's great for Scottish football. It means they're not running away with it, and mm. that's kind of all all you really want. As much as MLS gets knocked for a number of things and parity and stuff, at least you have no idea who the champion's going to be pretty much every season. And it, it's it is fun that way. Sure. So no other final thoughts for you, Zach? No, I think I'm good. Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. That's what I was waiting for. I'm Michael McCoy. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Please subscribe, turn notifications, all that stuff on our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFT in Canada. Our first VMSL highlights of this season have gone up. I love this time of year when VMSL and the college soccer is in full flow, so check all that out. We'll be back soon 
with another episode. Maybe not next weekend because Whitecaps not playing. I'm going away for a, a few days as well. So we might have a little bit of a break. It might be after the Austin game before we come back. But we'll try and bring out an extra podcast in that time as well. So definitely make sure you subscribe to that. Check that out on AFTN.ca. But until next time, whenever that is, thanks for listening. Take care and mon their caps. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, frankly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?